I have uh, struggled all week with how to um, preach and teach this text. And um, we're, we're probably, you have your notes in there, and I don't know how much I'm going to stick with those. Uh, like I said, it's been a battle just trying to, uh, how best to teach this. And so we're going to, um, we're going to uh, do maybe be a little different. I may get most of the fill-ins. I may not get all of them. But uh, we're looking at uh, chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians, and, and this will surprise you as slow as I go through books, but we're going to look at chapters 8, 9, and 10 today. Blazing speed. I mean, we are blazing through this book. And, and here's the reason, because they all deal with the same thing. Paul is answering a letter, and, and, and chapters 8, 9, and 10 are all dealing with the same question. Remember, the Corinthians have asked him some questions, and he is addressing these questions uh, in, in his letter here, and he's answering them. And, and it is interesting, as, we were, as I was studying, I, I was uh, obviously the Olympics are going on, and um, they shared a story uh, with regarding the Olympics, and, and it hit home. It's exactly where... We are this week in this text. It's exactly what this text is teaching us. And, and in the Olympics, there were, there were these sisters, and they were uh, competing in the Olympic biathlon team. I guess they, just, they ski for just long, long distances. I don't, I don't know the exact distances. But they're, they're twin sisters, and um, the one sister who was the favored sister who was the better at the event had a had a very very serious serious cold uh, over in Italy and was not able to um, compete in the trial where her twin sister competed and received a spot on the team so what the sister did next is exactly what we're talking about here in chapters 8 9 and 10 the sister who made it went to her sister who didn't make it. I believe Tracy made it, and um, um, Lanny, she was not, or Lonnie. And the sister that made it gave up her spot for her twin. Gave it up. I mean, this is, this is your Olympics. This is the Olympics. They had competed before. They had competed together before, and she gave it up. And look what she said. This is what struck me. It says, it shows if you care enough about someone, you are willing to sacrifice everything. If you care enough about someone, you're willing to sacrifice everything. She went on to say this. I would have loved the opportunity to represent my country, but it means more to me to give Lanny or Lonnie the chance. I would have loved the opportunity to represent my country, but it means more to give Lonnie the chance. They're, they're, they're at an age where they'll never get to compete in the Olympics again. It's not like she says, hey, I'll just go get them in four years. They're done. She laid it down because she loved her sister. And, and that's what Paul is addressing here in chapter 8, 9, and 10 in 1 Corinthians. 
And, and, and there's a lot here, and I, I want to I just read it. As crazy as that is, and I, I'll tell you, I've battled and battled and battled with what to do. I want to read it, and I just want to make some comments. We're probably not going to stick much to the notes. I, for better or worse, I just feel like that's what last night as I was studying this, I was just having a hard time getting comfortable with my notes. This morning as I, as I was reviewing it, I just was having a hard time. We'll, 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 we'll touch some of the stuff in the notes there, but let's just read it. It's, it's a simple text, the three chapters. I think it's very clear what Paul is saying. The difficulty is in the playing out in our lives. Oftentimes it's easy. We know what we ought to do. It's the doing it. It's the doing it. Paul writes this, Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and there is no such God but one. Paul is saying, look, I get it. There's only one God. All these, all these carved images, all these things that you guys are worshiping, they're so far apart, they're so far away from the greatness of our God. They don't even really exist. It's a, it's a, it's, they're false. We get that. We get that. He says there, there's only one God. Verse 5, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things and we exist for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things and we exist through Him. However, not all men. Here's the problem. Paul says that's true, and again, that's been consistent. Consistent, starting way back in chapter 6. Paul consistently gives a yes, but answer. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I get that. You're right, but... And isn't that so, so, isn't that so true in our lives? A lot of times the people ask a question, the answer is yes, but. You know, a lot of the things that we deal with in life, Paul's dealing with gray, he's dealing with issues, these are real life. This isn't clear cut. This isn't do I steal or don't I steal. This isn't do I run the red light or don't I run. The, this isn't do I lie or not. These aren't clear cut issues. And the reality is, is that's where most of our lives are made up. Most, most of our lives is not made up on, we don't spend a lot of time on whether we should steal or this and that. It's made up on the gray issues. It's made up on the issues of whether can I, and it's not only can I, should I. That's where most of us live. That's where most of our lives are made up. Should I do this? Paul says, however, not all men have this knowledge. But some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Look what Paul says in verse 10. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple... Will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, 
the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, listen to what Paul says, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Just uh, uh, here's what here's what's going on here. Here, Here's what's going on here. You got to understand that everything in that culture, everything happened at the temple. Everything went through the temple. Parties, gatherings, fellowships. It it would I was thinking all week it would have been similar to a community center. You, you would have rented it for your birthday parties. You would have gone there to do anything and everything. If you went out to eat, guess where you went? To the temple. It, it, was, it was like the community center today, the flea market today, whatever. You, everybody was there. Huge deal. And, and, and you know, we, we, at that temple... The problem was they had gods for everything in that culture. And so they would take meat and they would sacrifice it to a god. Some of the meat would be sacrificed to the god and it would be consumed by fire. It would be burned up. Some of the meat that was sacrificed would be used for the priest. He would eat that. And then whatever's left would be shared. And oftentimes there was more meat than could be consumed. And guess what? The meat market guys, they would swoop in, they would buy that meat on the cheap, and then they would sell it. And so everywhere in the market, there's meat that is being purchased, and the question becomes, hey, this meat is cheaper than that meat. I know it was sacrificed to an idol, but can I eat it? And then I guarantee if I polled us today, we would be divided. I guarantee you some of us would say, no way. And some of us would say, absolutely, that's good stewardship. It was a big deal. This, this was a huge deal. You know, we don't deal with that. If, if, you, if you go to Hungry Harry's today and you order a pork sandwich, you're not wondering what God they worshipped or offered that thing to behind the wall. You're like, just put it on there. Give me the meat. You're not thinking about it. But this was a big deal because here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing. Suppose you grew up non-believer. You grow up going to the market your whole life, going to the temple your whole life, eating the meat the whole life. Your whole family does it. And now you've since become a follower of Jesus Christ, a believer in Jesus Christ. And now your family, who is not a believer in Jesus Christ, are holding your sister's birthday party at the temple. And you get an invitation that says, hey, we request your presence at the temple for such and such's birthday party. You going to go? You going to go to the temple where they're worshiping false gods? You going to go partake of the world? And if you do go, are you going to eat? You going to eat the meat? Or are you going to say, no, 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 and risk offending them? You going to separate yourself from your family and risk alienating them? 
run the risk of, hey, you know what? You know what I remember that birthday about? Such and such was too good to partake in our party. You going to do that? that? That's the issue here. It's a big issue. Huge issue. And, and Paul has to be careful what he says here. Just like throughout this, but he's being very careful. The answer is, can I eat it? The answer is yes, but. The answer is maybe. The answer is it depends. And, and there are different levels of maturity in here. There's different levels of maturity then. And there are things that, that, that we have that issue. Can we do that? Maybe. Should we do that? Maybe. We know of those issues in our life today. And this was a very, very divisive issue. And hear me. Paul's intent here, here's, here's the danger. When we read these texts, Paul's intent here was not to arm Christian against Christian. It wasn't to, if you knew you could eat that meat and you knew it wasn't a problem, Paul's intent here is not for you to say, now you go get them and teach them and you just drag them into that meat market and you force them to eat it and they'll get over it eventually. That, that's one side. We do that today. We, we, those, of, those that are more mature, that understand the freedoms we have in Christ, oftentimes, you know how we respond to those who don't? Just grow up. You need to grow up. You need to get over it and understand what we have in Christ. Paul's intent is not to do that. If you use this text that way, you're wrong. But on the flip side, the, the flip side is this. The weak, the immature, that's the weak that Paul addresses. The other tendency is to put a whole bunch of rules on people. And we walk around and tiptoeing around a bunch of rules. That we can't do this, we can't do this. And, and, and then people will go pay, play police and follow people on Facebook. And, oh, I saw a picture of this on their Facebook. And I saw a picture on this on their Facebook. And I saw a picture. That's not Paul's intent either. He's not to create a, a police force within the church that you run around saying, I saw that person at that party and I saw this picture. That's not his intent either. He, he don't want a bunch of tattletales running around telling, oh, Pastor Chris, guess what I saw on such and such a Facebook? That's not the point either. The, 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 Paul does something else here. And, and, he, and in true to Paul, he handles it very well. He puts forth a principle. He puts it in your court and he puts it in my court. And, and here's what he says. True, you think you're wise, you think you're so mature, you think you're all that. Hey, True, true Christian knowledge is not just shown in what you know, it's inseparable from love. You can't separate Christian knowledge and love for your brother. He says, look at verse 7, not all of them have this. He says, not everybody has this knowledge. The reality is this, some people don't understand that we have these freedoms. You're, you may be able to do that. They cannot. So what do we do? And you know what Paul says? He says love, not, not knowledge, love forms the foundation of Christian behavior. It's not knowledge. It's love. It's love. Jesus himself said in Matthew 15, 11, it's not what, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean. 
It's what comes out of a man's mouth that makes him unclean. Food, food doesn't make you unclean. Jesus, he showed Peter in a dream. Hey, he put all those animals before him and said, Hey, arise, kill, and eat, Peter. Eat. Eat whatever you want. Eat whatever's set before you. Even in chapter 10, he says, Hey, eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake. It's free. You're right. I get it. You're right. But, but, He says, if one of the unbelievers invites you and you want to go, eat anything that's set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. But, it's not that clean. If anyone says to you, this meat is sacrificed to idols, do not eat it. Why? For the sake of the one who informed you. And for conscience sake. That's exactly what Paul says over here. In verse 9, but take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Romans 14, 23 says, whatever is not done of faith is sin. The issue is faith. Their faith doesn't allow them to eat the meat. Your faith might. Today, it's not meat. Today, it's, it's, it's dancing all these other tattoos and alcohol and all these other things that I get questioned about. Those things don't make you unclean in and of themselves. If, if, if you can do that, if you think you can do that, do it. We don't, have clear, we don't have a clear word. Do not dance. doesn't say that. Matter of fact, in Psalms it says absolutely dance. Houston, we got a problem. Now, we're not holding a dance and all that. Someone came to me the other day and said uh, after I preached, and they said, I'm going to be a little leery if this church ever has an ice cream social. That ties into the sermon a few weeks ago. If you were here, you'll get that. Some of y'all are going to laugh about that in about 15 minutes when you understand what I'm saying. But ultimately, ultimately, what's Paul saying? Don't be motivated by selfishness. Don't be motivated by knowledge. Don't be motivated by whether you can or can't. Be motivated by love. What motivated this young lady to give up her spot? If shows if you care enough about someone, you're willing to sacrifice everything. And ultimately, Paul is saying, look, you're asking the right question from the wrong motive. You're asking from selfishness, and you're governing your life based on selfishness instead of governing your life based on love. And Paul says, if food causes my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. Why? Because I don't want my brother to stumble. Why? Because that's the same brother or sister that Jesus Christ died for. And Jesus Christ was willing to lay down everything for that person. And you're not willing to lay down anything for that person. That's what he says. I mean, he says, he, I'm, I'm trying to fill in as many of these fill-ins as I can. Not limiting in our freedoms, look at verse 9. To not limit your freedom is to cause the believer, other believer to sin. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stomach block. It's a big deal. You're causing your brother or sister to sin. 
See, because again, their deal was, let's say for instance, say for instance there was an issue over cards. I've heard that one before. Oh, Christians don't play cards. Well, I've played cards before, so I don't have a problem with it. But you might. And, and suppose you say, well, I'm going to teach you. Brother, just come play. You force them to come play cards with you. All the while, that person used to gamble and had a major problem with cards. And now you've basically brought them in and walked them right back to where their struggle was. And Paul is saying, don't do it. You're causing them to sin. And not only that, look at verse 11. He says, to not limit our freedom results in a damage to a believer's walk. For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined. The brother for whose sake Christ died. This is a big deal. But not only that, look at verse 12. Not limiting our freedom, it's a sin on us. We sin by not doing that. And so by sinning against the brethren, to not limit your freedom in these cases is a sin. And, and here, the, the challenge that, that God wore me out on this is that we understand this principle very well. If you have children, you understand this principle. It's not a complicated principle. Uh, and, and, and I thought about this, and we do this all the time for our children as parents. We limit our freedoms. We limit what we watch. You know, we don't, we don't say stupid in our house, because I don't want my kids walking around saying that, and every now and then I'll slip, and Sarah will say, we don't say stupid. I'm like, we do, just not around you. <laughs> you know? We limit our freedoms. You know, we say a lot of things, just not around you. Now, don't take that further than it needs to go, but, you know. I, I, Friday night at our house, Friday night at our house is movie night. Karen, Karen will make homemade pizza, and uh, we used to go out and get pizza on Friday night, but now we have two kids that like to eat, and it gets too expensive, so we'll just make it at our house. Friday night's movie night. Well, well guess what movies we watch? Hot Lead, Cold Feet. That's right, you ain't never heard of that one. There's a good reason you never heard of that movie. Hot Lead, Cold Feet. The Apple Dumpling Gang. Y'all are nodding your heads. Look at that. Y'all watch the Apple Dumpling Gang. Hey, it gets better. Sometimes we watch the return of the Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> I didn't even know them jokers left. I mean, we got about 20 minutes into the Apple Dumpling Gang the first time we watched it. And I'm, I'm like, oh, by the grace of God, please, how do I get out of this? I... And it was half-off milkshakes at Sonic for about another week. So I took one for the team, and I said, Look, guys, I feel the Lord leading me to go get us half-off milkshakes at Sonic. <laughs> and then, by the grace of God, I get to Sonic, and the speaker don't work. So it took me about 55 minutes to get these. By the time I got back, the credits were rolling of the return of the Apple Dumbbell Gang. Is not God good? He is good. <laughs> but, but I watch them. I watch them cheerfully. Why? Because I watch my kids. And they love them. And they watch them over and over and again. And they're clean. And I don't have to worry about the content. And here's the point. Love, love motivates us to do some crazy things. 
Love motivates us. You, you, you fell in love with your, with your bride, guys. I guarantee you there's some dudes that you grew up with that you were friends with. They didn't get much of your time anymore. Why? Because you had found something better. And girls, same way, hopefully. And if we're honest, that's what's lacking most. It's love. It's not knowledge. We got the knowledge. It's love. And the problem is this. We don't, we, what we need more than anything is a love that's strong enough to forego something on someone else's behalf. And my problem is this. I love my kids more than I love other people. And therefore, I'm very quick to forego rights and privileges for my kids, but I'm not for you. And I'll cause you to stumble. Why? Because it's a lack of love. The issue is love. And, and, and again, Paul brings this full circle in chapter 9. In chapter 9, Paul uses himself as an example. And, and again, hear me, part of the reason why Paul in chapter 9, the first part of that, he builds a defense. And, and you can read verses 1 through uh, 14, and Paul says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? And, and, you, do, and you not my work in the Lord? If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Listen, do we have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife? Even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers and the Lord and of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and doesn't use the milk of it? What he's saying is, look, the man who labors in the Lord has a right to earn his living from the Lord. That's what he's saying. The, 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 and that, that's an uncomfortable passage for me to preach. It sounds very selfish. Guess what, guys? I have a right to earn a living. Well, I have a right to earn a living. I'm not peddling the gospel. I'm not abusing the gospel for gain. If I ever do that, please, for your sake and my sake, fire me. But I have a right to earn a living as a pastor. But guess what Paul says? He says, Paul, in his case, and you probably wish I had the faith of Paul, Paul laid down that right. Paul took no salary from them. Paul took no money from them. Why? Because he didn't want to be a stumbling block. Look at verse 15. But I have used none of these things. He goes on to talk about... Um, Look at verse 11. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right. See, he's using himself to illustrate the principle. But we endure all things. Why? So that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. He says, why do we lay down our rights? Because we do not want to hinder the gospel. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share at the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Look at 15. But I have used none of these. And I am not writing these things so that it would be done in my case. 
For it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast an empty one. Do you see how serious the gospel is to Paul? He says, I would rather die than do anything to prevent the gospel. And if that means I have to go out and get another job, then I will. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. He says, for though I am my, for though, listen to this, this is a powerful passage. For though I am free from all men, verse 19, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being under myself, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men. Why would you do that, Paul? So that I may by all means save some. Why, why do we do what we do? So that we by all means might save some. Will all come to know the Lord? They will not. But I know this, I don't want anyone to not come to know the Lord because of my life. And that's what Paul says. I don't want anything in my life to be a stumbling block to the weak. I don't want to give the, the unsaved and the weak any reason to not have intimacy with Christ because they're watching my life. That's what Paul's saying. And guess what? In the body of Christ, you know what he'd say today? If this issue divides the body of Christ... Cut it out. If you know there are issues that are causing the body of Christ to be divided and therefore in the community is watching us and we're... Cut it out. Stop it. Lay it down for the gospel's sake. He says, do you not know... This is how we'll do this. Do you not know, verse 24, that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified." If we're going to do this, it's not, our flesh is not going to want to give up anything. Our flesh is not going to do this. But he says, you know what? You discipline your body. I, I volunteer at, at Odessa Elementary. You know, I do the things that, that, that I ask you to get involved in, whether it's neighborhood bags or whatever. Why? Because I don't want to disqualify myself. I want to be an example. There, there are millions other things that I could do versus serving on the SAC committee at Odessa Elementary or reading to first graders doing these things. Millions of other things I could do. But I, I do it because of the gospel. I do it because I don't want to be disqualified. 
I do it because I don't want to be a stumbling block. I want us to be those things. You know, we're not doing the, the neighborhood bags and, and the Odessa and Oasis and all these things. I don't introduce you to those just to keep you busy. I introduce them for the gospel. For the gospel. We're all busy. And Paul says discipline, discipline, discipline. And that's where chapter 10 comes in. Israel failed to be disciplined. In chapter 10, Paul uses Israel as an example. And you know what he says? He says, if you play around with your freedoms, if you toy around with your freedoms, if you play around and toy around with the things of this world, if you don't remain remain separated from the things of this world, you're going to be idolatrous just like the nation of Israel was idolatrous. You're going to become idol worships. You're going to worship your culture if you do not separate yourself from your culture. That, that's where chapter 10 is. And time and time again, verse 6, verse 11, Paul says, Israel is your example. Israel is your example. They had tremendous, they had every privilege in the world, Israel did. God loved them shepherded them, protected them, and guess what? All they did was take everything of the world and cram it into their culture, and then they just tried to put Christ's stamp of approval on it, His title on it, and then they began to worship it. And, and the same goes on today. The same temptation is today to take everything in the world and bring it into the church under the, uh, under the auspice and under the title and under the banner of Christianity and then worship it because we're believers. And he says that's idolatry. And if we were honest, our freedoms, our privileges are our little G gods today. And we're mastered by them. We love ourselves. We're very good at loving ourselves. And, and look over in Galatians 5, verse 13 and 14. Paul says, for you were called to freedom, brethren. He would be saying, yeah, you're free. You're free, we agree. But listen to this. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. See what the tendency is? To take your freedom and to abuse it and to worship it and turn it into an opportunity for the flesh. And and Satan is winning there. The, the, the danger, what he says with Israel, don't do like Israel. Israel fell in love with the blessings and not the blesser. Israel loved the stuff. They loved the creation. And they worshipped they worship the creation more than the creator. And, 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 and they were so religious that they began like, hey, we'll show you how religious we are. We'll make a whole bunch of gods to worship. And I'm Moses, while you're up there on the mountain meeting with God, getting the Ten Commandments, you're taking too long, we're going to show you how great we are at worshiping. We're going to create some stuff to worship. And, and time and time again, he says, don't do it. Look, look at verse 7 of chapter 10. Chapter 6. Look at verse 6, rather, in chapter 10. Now these things happened as examples for us. Verse 5, it says, he was not well pleased. 
Matter of fact, he says they died. That's why they died in the wilderness. So that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Verse 7. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. Listen. The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. That's not a good thing. Nor let us, verse 8, act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 died in one day. Look at verse 9. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. What he's saying there is, and, and it's true for us, don't make this Christian life about seeing how much of the world you can cram into it before you provoke God to anger. Make this Christian life about how much of the world you can get rid of in your life and do your best to glorify God. That's what he's saying. That's what Israel did. How much of the world can I cram in here before God disciplines me? And he says, don't try the Lord like that. Verse 10, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, the one who thinks he stands, take heed, lest he does not fall. Verse 13, if you want to commit a verse to memory, this is a phenomenal verse, not that any of them aren't, but no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. God is faithful. You're not facing anything in your life that's not common to man and that he can't help you to overcome. He's saying walk away from it. There's nothing that's gripping you that you can't, if you want to, with God, break the grip. Look at verse 14. The answer is this. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Why? Because you won't win that battle. You toy around with the world. If I toy around with the world, I guarantee you I will love the world. He says, flee it. Flee it. Just like Joseph fled Potiphar's wife. Flee. Whatever it takes, flee. Look, look, look down to verse 23 of chapter 10. He says, all things are lawful. Again, you, that's a familiar saying. We saw that in chapter 6, verse 12. The Corinthians say, all things are lawful. You're right. I get that, guys. Look at Paul says, but not all things are profitable. The Corinthians say, all things are lawful. Yeah, you're right. But I say, not all things edify. Yes, but... Yes, but. Look at verse 24. Summary verse. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Over in Galatians 5, verse 14, it says, The law and the prophets can be summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. You want to know what the whole Old Testament said? Love your neighbor as yourself. You want to know what our number one job is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because you won't do that until you're loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Matthew 22 says, he says, hey, what's the, what, are the, what, what are the commands? He says, the first commandment is this, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The Christianity life is it's real simple. It's hard, but it's simple. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. 
And the goal of everything we do, the goal of everything we do, it's there on your handout, is the gospel. It's the progress of the gospel. That's what Paul says over and over. Why? Why would we lay down our privileges? Why would we do that which is lawful but not which edifies? Why would I not do anything that I can do? Because of the gospel. The progress of the gospel. And in chapter 9, we saw that verses 15 through 23, time and time again, he says, the gospel, for the gospel, for the gospel. Chapter 10, verse 31, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as also I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many so that they may be saved. Why in chapter 8 were you willing to give up meat, Paul? Why in chapter 9 were you willing to give up pay, Paul? Why in chapter 10 were you willing to give up your own glory, Paul? Because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. It was all about the gospel. And Paul is saying here, govern your life by love, not liberty. Govern your life by love. Care about the gospel more than we do our privileges. That that's what he's saying. That that it's not that it's not and, and, and we don't run around arrogantly. That's what Paul is saying. You don't run around saying, Woe is me, I'm giving up so much, and I'm just not gonna go. No, you do it for the gospel. You do it because God gets glory in it. Look, look at me at Philippians 2. You do it because that's exactly what God did for us. Look at Philippians 2 with me. Turn there in your, in your Bibles. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, is there, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, glorifying God. That's the purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. Do nothing, it says in verse 3. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He says, do it because that's exactly what was done for you. That if anyone had a reason or a right to claim privileges, it was Jesus Christ and he laid them all down. And, and the, what he's calling us to, Paul is saying, look, lay them down, knowing that one day God is going to lift you up. You lay down your glory on this side of eternity and God will give you glory on that side of eternity. You humble and give up your life on this side of eternity and God will give you life everlasting and abundant on that side for all eternity. 
That's what he's saying. And he says this, if you love me, you'll do it. The, the issue is not knowledge. The issue is love. The issue is love in our homes. The issue is love in our, is love in our workplaces. The issue is love in our communities. The issue is love in this church. And, and, and verse 8, chapter 8, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians, it, it, I can't get past that verse. I just kept thinking about it. For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined. The brother whose forsake Christ died. Christ was willing to give up everything. Will you and I give up anything? If called upon. Again, you can do these things. But the second you know that it's causing a problem, Paul says, lay it down. Lay it down. And that type of life glorifies God. That type of commitment glorifies God. That community glorifies God. Let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. And in doing so, Glorify God. And here, here, here's what I want to ask you to do. The application is this. I want you to prayerfully ask the Lord, is there anything in my life that is hindering the gospel? Is there anything in my life that Satan may be using to just wiggle in there and divide relationships, divide the church, is there anything in my life that, that I'm not sharing the gospel with because of that? Because I know I'm going to be a hypocrite. Anything. I anything hindering your testimony. I anything about your life that you would not want us to put up here on these TV screens. Attack it. If there is, attack it. And, and all of us have stuff. Hear me. You wouldn't, you, we'd never get to your stuff. If we put all my stuff up here on these TV screens, we would never get to your stuff. Hear me. I'm talking about just clear, blatant, just obvious things that you know are divisive. Ask God to reveal maybe there's something in your life that's mastering you. You've been set free from Christ, and yet this thing over here masters you. You can't break free. No temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful to who will provide a way out. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you that is in the world. There's freedom. And I pray that we would be a people who says, you know what? I don't want anything to hinder my testimony and I don't want anything to hinder, my God, hinder the gospel. I'll lay it down. And, and we self-govern ourselves. I don't want us running around. Governing each other. I got enough problems dealing with sin in my own life. I don't need to worry about yours. But I will. Out of love. If it becomes obvious. So that's the application. Ask, ask God, to, is there anything in my life that's hindering the gospel? 